Charles Louis Mortgage Advisors, 0161 959 0166. Welcome along to the latest Forever Blue podcast. Uh, I'm Ian Cheeseman and uh, as ever, it's great to have you with us. Uh, We talk about Manchester City, we talk about football, principally, of course, about about Manchester City. That's why the podcast is called Forever Blue. And I have an array of different guests that I have on each week, recording a Sunday evening in the UK. And generally, we do one a week, and they last around about an hour or so. Now, most weeks, we have an ex-City player or manager on. Uh, this week, we've got an array of City fans on. Some of you might be familiar with, like Harlan, who's one of the regulars from the Forever Blue team. We've also got Stephen, who was on last week, who's um, reprising his position again today, um, and he's back with us. Tal, who's a regular on my uh, Forever Blue channel in terms of the YouTube. He's, he's a well-known fan who sits near the front, has a son called Yaya, and, and he's a great all-round good egg. So he's always welcome to come on. And we've got David, who's uh, been on the podcast before, who's somebody who's in regular contact with me anyway, is a passionate City fan. So I've got, a hope, a good cross-section of different City fans with different views. We have no agenda today other than to look back on the Spurs game and to just sort of work out really where we're up to after what some people would see as a bit of a shock defeat. So that's the subject that we're going to talk about principally today. Uh, First of all, before we start, a big shout out to the sponsors of the podcast, charleslouis.co.uk, who are chartered mortgage advisors and, of course, a lot more than that, they buy and sell commercially and privately. So they're based in the Berry area. So if you want to contact them, you heard the number at the beginning of the podcast, Uh, but you can look at their website, charleslouis.co.uk, and you will see the phone number and you will have email addresses and things like that. Contact them if you've got any issues, and I'm sure they'll be delighted to give you the very very best advice they can. So uh, that said, let's move on to our topic about City. I don't know whether you all want to sort of say a bit and, and then we'll, we'll go through it in more detail or we just kick off and see who provokes the biggest reaction and feel free to dive in and give your opinions but City were beaten by Spurs what I'd like to say at the beginning is that one defeat doesn't isn't the end of the world I mean blimey I've been watching City for a long long time and you know things change as the years go by and this is just one little slip up City haven't lost since November I mean it's hardly a disaster is it However, there are questions to be asked about whether City are vulnerable. Pep's teams are vulnerable, perhaps, to counter-attacking, which seems to have been their downfall against teams like Lyon, Chelsea, Manchester United, and against Tottenham. Is that an area that they're particularly vulnerable to? We'll see. Let's see what what the the team starts. So, David, as a non-regular, along with Tal, so we'll go to Tal after that, but David... I'll let you kick off. What, 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 what's your verdict on what you saw at the game and where it leaves City? It's only one defeat, mm. but nevertheless, the, there are a few things that people online have been chatting about that they see as very worrying. What do you think? Yeah, um, well, I kept, when I saw the Tottenham result last week and I thought there's no way they're going to lose, it would have been the fourth game on the trap, wouldn't it? I thought that ain't going to happen. So I had a bad feeling before the game, to be honest with you. And obviously, Liverpool playing before us at Norwich against Norwich, I kind of had a bad feeling going into it. Just me personally, 
obviously they've got a good record against Tottenham in recent years. Um, but I thought there's no way an Italian coach is going to have them losing four games on the bounce. So I had a feeling they were going to get a result. Um, but they did what a lot of teams have done against us in the past. They seem to sit deep with this low block and they seem to just get it up to Kane and Son. That's what it appeared to me. But again, but, but give a bit more credit to Kane. He, you know, play like a midfielder in the second half. He started coming very, very deep and we just we, we, we were spooked by it. I think Diaz and Laporte, they were spooked by Harry Kane because he was pulling, he was dropping so deep into the midfield. They were hoping to be goal. Do we get sucked in with him? Do we stay where we are? Or do we get, you know, it's a, it's a tricky one when a striker drops off the front like that. We have it with Gundogan. He, he spooks the opposition because they don't know how to pick him up because he plays like a striker come midfielder. And Kane was doing a similar job yesterday. Um, but there's a big elephant in the room at City and no one seems to be mentioning it. And I'm getting a bit miffed off with him. And that's Rodri. For me, he's never been good enough what I've seen him. I thought yesterday he was a disgrace the way he plodded around that pitch. He was lethargic, he was slow. I just don't know what he offers his team. He's doing that silly sideways little five-yard passes. For me, he's not good enough. And some City fans, they'll argue with me to the death and say, well, he's had a good season. I don't see it in this guy from day one. I think he's been a bad buy. I don't see it. Yesterday, he was he was lethargic yesterday. Really lethargic. He was slow, he was ponderous. He meant to be there to protect the back four. So... You know, I don't know. He's obviously got an obsession with playing in Pep. Me and my I can't go against Pep. He's what he's won for us, and he's, he's of course, he's one of the greatest managers in, in world football. But I'm a paying sort of customer, and I, I want to have my opinion on it. And I just think I'm frustrated with this, Rodri. Does no one else see it? Am I the only City fan who's easy? Because to me, I'll yesterday he was slow and ponderous, mate. I'll ask the others poor. in just a second, but just on behalf of those listening who will be. Not all, obviously there'll be there'll be some presumably agreeing with you, but there'll be some saying, What is he watching? You know, City have just played since November without dropping a game. Rodri's played in most of those games and there haven't been these these um complaints before. So just to, to focus the mind a little bit more, David, are you saying this has been your view of Rodri even in the wins, even in the run? Yeah, I've seen him in some games where he's give the ball away a lot. And he's just slow and he's ponderous. I think, you know, the, the, he can... Well, of course, we've been on a great run and we've got a great set of players and a great team. But I, I do have an issue with Rodri and some City fans are going to absolutely berate me for it. They're going to say, well, get off the guy's back. He's, you know, but it, for me, he's been with us over two years, I think, now as a player. They can't have this argument of he needs time to settle in. I just think he's never going to be up to speed in the Premier League. Some players aren't. Some players never adjust to it. In my opinion, I think the wins we've had, we've probably done it at times where we've, we've probably carried him in some games. I feel, I just feel he's really. I just don't know what he offers his team. Is he is he a defensive crunchy midfielder who makes challenges? I don't see that. He doesn't do what Fernandinho does. He seems to just get the ball and knock it a little five yard way passes from left to right. He can't drive on with the ball like Yaya Toure. I don't know what he is as a player, and I've been having this scratching here for over two years with this guy. And I think it was, you know, yesterday he should have been covering more with the two centre-halves, the way Kane was running in between the pair of them. You know, there was a combination of Diaz, Laporte and Rodri yesterday, but Rodri, for me, is a bugbear, man. Uh, I, I, for me, I just don't think he's good enough. And some players aren't. I remember when Veron went to United, top player in Serie A for Lazio, he could just not grasp the Premier League. Some players, don't know me say they're a bad player or a poor player, 
Just some players just do not handle the Premier League, the speed of it. They just don't. I think he's probably better in the Spanish League where you have a bit more time on the ball. Or Coincidentally, I've seen him in the Champions League. He looked better, Rodri. But I think when it's a Premier League game like it was yesterday, and so on, I don't think he's up to speed with it. I think he gets caught out. He's ponderous in possession a lot. He gets caught out a hell of a lot. He gave the ball away four times yesterday. In bad areas, the one yesterday, he gave away bad and they got in and nearly scored from it. But it's just my opinion on it. I think, for me, I don't know why we keep persistent. He's meant to be a Fernandinho replacement. I don't think he is. Has he replaced well, Fernandinho? Let, let's, get, let's get another view then, because you've kicked us off with a, a big talking point there, really. And then I see Harlan is... He's keen to come in on this one. So uh, we'll come to Tal maybe in a moment. So sorry to keep Tal waiting. But Harlan, um, do you want to reply to that? Do you agree with it? Do you disagree with it? Yeah, I want to do a bit of both. I completely understand where you're coming from, mate. I think the, the, the problem with Rodri is that I think, do you know what? I'm going, to, I'm going to be honest with you. And I think we'll all agree on this in some way, shape or form. That because we are so good now and because we play so well and because we look brilliant and we, we pump every team <laughs> four or five, uh, on a regular basis, we we almost forget that, that there are going to be games like Spurs yesterday and there are going to be 14 games a season, as I say, in the Premier League where you're going to have to be on your A game. And players like Rodri, who, who has looked better this season than he had in the previous two, I'll give him that, has started to try and progress the play, play the ball forwards more, kind of... I've got this theory that Fernandinho not playing as much has been working with him a bit more one-to-one, been helping him develop in that sense. He's thrown a few more challenges in this year. I've seen an improvement in him, but I think what, what we get with our players now, Ian, is this. We get a false sense of security because of which opponent they're playing against. So Fordham will bang three in and maybe assist one or he'll score two and assist one against Norwich in an 8-0 thrashing. And we will think, wow, Fordham played well today. And then, and this is just using Phil as an example. I'll use somebody else just to be fair. Jack Grealish. He'll have a stormer. He'll get an assist and a goal in the Champions League. And then he'll play against uh, Norwich. He'll bang another goal in and get two assists and complete this many passes and complete this many dribbles. And then he'll play against Chelsea and he'll hide in the left, he'll hide on the left hand side. He'll be completely null and void completely written off and he won't be able to affect the game. And I think that this is a problem we have where fans now probably will rip you apart and say, well, hang on, Rodri's completed this many passes, he's done this, he's had a stormer against Watford or he's had a stormer against such a team and we've played really well against, oh, oh what was that game actually? Oh, it was Norwich away, 4-0. Yeah, he was brilliant in that game. And then you think, yeah, but Spurs yesterday, Spurs are seventh. Spurs are top four, Spurs are seventh, and he was dominated by Benson Coe and by Hoiberg. Two players that, for me, aren't even top six players. Very good, but not top six players. So I think what it is, I think it's not just the Rodri problem this year, and I think it's, it's our players in the sense of some of them look better against lesser opposition, which gives the fans a false sense of security. And then when you criticise them, then they always go back to, yeah, but he's played well this season. Who against? And I know it sounds disrespectful, but who against? The Premier League for me now, at max, forget the Leicester season, is a 14-team competition where the rest of the teams are there to literally be knocked around for 92 minutes of a game where they probably have two minutes of attacks and you go out and you pump every team an average of three goals 
and players like Rodri and your luxury players will look absolutely outrageously good. And when it comes to crunch time, they might go hiding. I think that's the reality of the Premier League now and the reality of us versus the Premier League teams. Harsh comments to begin with then on Rodri. Tal, um, what have you got to say on what you've heard so far? Welcome to the podcast, by the way. Thank you very much. Hello, everybody. Um, I mean, obviously, David and Ireland have got their opinion, which is quite rightly that their views. Um, personally, and I, I'll start like I do go on, you know that, Ian. Succession. We've never had a succession since Yaya went. Rodri was part of that succession, as was Fernandinho. Fernandinho's getting on a bit now. Rodri was supposed to come in and, you know, take over the reins. We're never going to get light for light. We're always going to have people who've got their opinions. I mean, one of the most disliked players we have, and I, and I get frustrated by it, is people that have a go at Ryan Sterling. You know, you can talk about Rodri. Rodri, at the moment, in my opinion, I was saying this to you yesterday, Ireland, actually, that he's in my top three players of the year, of the season. You know, Cancelo, um, Harland, I forget who I said the other one. Sorry, not you, Harland. Um, <laughs> did I say yesterday to any I was talking to you, but to me, Cancelo, Oh, you said Mahrez, didn't you? I think. Oh, no, you didn't say Mahrez. And then, you know, we were just talking. Cancelo, you said. Yeah, Rodri was right in there in the top three. Um, because to me, yes, well, you're comparing him to his performance yesterday, but there have been games where he's, you know, it's like watching a snooker player sometimes, and maybe that's just my vision of him um, and on the opposition as well. But he's a big game. He shows up for the big game. But yesterday, you cannot just blame, or I know we're not just blaming one player. The whole team kind of just jet-lagged, whether the, the experience of landing in Liverpool, you know, the 5 nil that we saw, and then all of a sudden this. I knew yesterday, I had a good feeling, the 80 City fan I am, something's not right today. Something's not going to be right today. And I felt that, but I still believe at the end of the day, this will do us a world of good. But I never tried to pick on an individual performance yesterday. But if I'm going to have a go at anybody for yesterday, it's going to be the back four. I mean, every time we got the equaliser, especially when we made it 2 all, number 10 is going to haunt us. We've never had a succession for our own number 10. Let's keep an eye on number 10 on the other side. Oh, caught napping, bang, we got hurt, you know. And I've always said this, Diaz is like Vincent Company's replacement. Sergio, there's a question mark, do we need a number 10? Well, my answer is yes, we do. The amount of set pieces and then corners that we waste. Today, the rags score from a corner. You know, we don't score from corners. You know, set pieces and things like that. We just, I don't know what we, one touch too much, that's what frustrates me, David, when I'm watching some of our players shoot on site. Um, you know, Sergio going, Yaya going. David Silva's the only one that I think we've replaced because the midfield's kind of full of these little mag magician Bernardo, Bernardo Silva. Awesome. That was it. Bernardo Silva was your third one, Harlan. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I've got a different opinion on Rodri altogether. Stephen, Sorry. what's your view on all this? You, you've, you've sat there listening patiently. No, no, it ain't... I can understand the criticism of him yesterday, but what I will say is, is that yesterday he was very outnumbered in a Tottenham five midfield. It was five at the back, but when they got further forward a little bit on the odd occasions they did, it was five in midfield. And he was like our one holding player. Uh, unusually for him, 
he'd give the ball away. I know David said four times, but me, me, and, my, me and my son said it, it was five times at this moment. And the time we said four, he'd give it away as the fifth. But he was very outnumbered in a tight midfield yesterday. Big games, he doesn't turn up, but I'll, I'll say that we've been to Anfield twice. Last season, obviously, we no fans. This season, we fans. And he has absolutely done very, very well at Anfield in the last two years, including the goal line clearance, obviously, this season when it was two all and we nearly conceded that third. It was a fantastic clearance. But if I, I would say going off the midfield yesterday, it, I can't, there weren't many that played very well. In fact, sort of Mares really was nearly our man in a match and he was only on for 20 minutes. But let's have a look at players who've been brilliant for us so far this season. Cancelo, probably his worst game of the season. You know, like it was back to the old Cancelo when he was bedding in for us. He uh, he dived in for the third goal. He dived in in a position that created the space for him to cross it. And he didn't get back. You know, like he, he was off. Sometimes players have bad games. Players have bad games. But collectively, our defence had a bad game yesterday. You know, that, that was the one thing. Diaz, who, you know, he's been absolutely fantastic from minute one. He had a poor game yesterday. He, you know, like he got he got run by uh, Son but for the first game. And it was just a ball behind him. And he was playing offside, but Cancelo had dropped on the other side. And then, let's, let's face it, we, you know, it was a bad day at the office. You know, I thought Phil Foden was quiet yesterday. Bernardo was quiet yesterday and I was very surprised that Sterling went off yesterday because yeah. out of them three I thought he was the one that was offered a little bit more you know and it, it was a strange substitution yesterday that from Pep but I think if 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 I'm gonna Tottenham did a job Bill that you know there was no masterclass from the from Conte there we helped them win we yeah. give three nearly four goals away you know, we our, our midfield going forward and what have you. We scored two goals, you know, but we shouldn't be conceding three. We'll, we'll play and we will concede, but not in the way we conceded yesterday. As a collective thing yesterday, the defence was very poor and must take the blame for that display. And I think if, if you look at when we let the first goal in, Cal Walker was going absolutely crazy at Gundogan and Diaz, as if to say... We've spoke about this all week and within three minutes, you've let it happen. So if you look at him, you knew there was a plan in there and we just didn't deal with it. And to be fair, Harry Kane's probably had the best game he's had for about five years. And uh, he, he showed a little bit of class yesterday. Class that sometimes I don't see when I watch him. But, uh, you know, you've got to hold your hands up sometimes. He played very well, turned the game and finished. And like we were saying before about some great crosses coming in yesterday, you know, and nobody who just wanted to tap it in like Sergio used to do. So, yeah, bad day at the office. In my eyes, defence to blame. I will stick up for Rodri a little bit, that I think he's got more and more used to the Premier League. I agree with David, it was a slow start, you know, but I think he's got there. But I would say yesterday I thought he was outnumbered in midfield and, and didn't get a lot of... Uh, support, shall we say, from his colleagues around him. But bad day at the office, that's all I'd say. Let me throw out a few different subjects then that I've read or opinions of mine or whatever. And 
let's see where we go to from this. Harry Kane, after the match, said uh, they had a plan and they fulfilled that plan. I would suggest that that plan was no more than play five at the back defensively, which I've heard a lot of City fans saying we struggle against five at the back. And if you think back to matches like Leon, three times against Chelsea last season, Manchester United, different games, not the routine games like Harlan speaks, you know, which I agree with the vast majority of league games. We play teams who are substantially inferior to City. So tactics perhaps don't play as much of a part because City just out, outgunned them really in every area. But it's when we're talking about these, these big games and obviously in the FA Cup in the Champions League, those are the games that are to come now. So I would suggest that Tottenham did, did what Crystal Palace did as well, by the way. Southampton did five across the back and looked to hit City on the counter-attack. They did it with absolute quality. Uh, one subject I want to bring up is, uh, you know, I mean, you could look at what went wrong yesterday and I don't want to overreact to it. It was only one defeat, but it's worth analysing this because of the big games to come and the way that other teams will look at the way City play and try to beat them in the Champions League, in the FA Cup, maybe in the big league games that are still to come. So it's worth looking at this, even though it's not being overly critical. But the two fullbacks, Cancelo, great going forward. I actually thought even going forward yesterday was all right. But as a defender, he leaves a little bit to be desired. He's a right-footed left-back. That's not necessarily the end of the world. Those like me, the older fans. Remember Glyn Pardo was one of the greatest fullbacks that's ever played for City. He's a right-footed left-back. It can be done. Uh, Willie Donachie, you know, was, was very strong on his right-hand side and, and yet played as a left-back. So that can happen. Uh, obviously, Walker, great, great speed. You would think against a counter-attacking team that the manager would say to Kyle Walker, don't overextend because if they counter-attack and Son loves to come down your side, don't be too far away from him because you can outpace him. You're one of the few players that can catch him. And yet, Walker was miles out of position when the ball was played through to Son and he was allowed to run, run through. Now, all the criticism of Rodri is valid in the sense that he's not really, you know, a defensive midfielder in the traditional sense of, I don't know, Nigel de Jong or somebody like that who would be about tackling and roughing people up. He's a footballing uh, defensive midfielder. Even Fernandinho has a little bit more, um, you know, sort of naughtiness about him. You know, he'll take a book in for the team more often and he'll... He'll do what he needs to do to stop the others, you know, pull the shirt. And I know that we all want to see perfect, pure football. Me too. I love Pep's style of football. But sometimes in these big games, because, you know, all the City fans around me are all saying Tottenham are wasting time, they're pulling shirts. I'm afraid that's what happens. That's the real world, you know. And when you played Real Madrid in their pomp, as good a players as they had, they also had a Sergio Ramos in there who was prepared to to do the nasty things and and you, you're never going to change that. So my question would be, you know, are, are the two fullbacks, you know, too wide and too committed to going forward? Have we got too many players in the team? So I include Riyad Mahrez, I include Phil Foden, perhaps to a certain extent, but not entirely, I include Kevin De Bruyne, who are more thinking and more designed to attack to go forward 
like Raheem Sterling, and not enough of a balance of players who are prepared to come back and work that little bit harder. And one other subject I'll throw in, so there's a lot of things for you to think about. And by the way, we're doing this on Zoom. Uh, I know you might be not be listening on Zoom, but if you want to speak up on a particular subject, put your hand up and let me know and we'll, we'll, we'll get you to talk about it. But another, another subject I wanted to mention is when, when it got to 15 minutes, 20 minutes from the end, and I declare, by the way, I was at the under-23 game today where Liam Delap played and James McAtee played. And twice people text, uh, tweeted me while I was watching that game saying, because Delap went down for a penalty today, why was Delap not playing, you know, against Tottenham? Because he would have given City a different dimension. And as soon as we fail in a game, that's the old striker argument coming out again. And I had this argument with a, not argument, but a discussion with a fan and I said, well, if you wanted Delap to start yesterday, who would you have left out then? And he said, KDB. So I said, so you would have started against Tottenham with Delap in the side, but no KDB. And then he said, well, maybe I'd bring him on as a substitute. So he slightly changed his mind. So that's an interesting one as well. You know, is, 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 do City like that dimension? As we got 20 minutes from then, I'm listening to the people around me in the stand and I heard one or two people saying, oh, he's going to make a substitution here. Well, they can't take Foden off because <laughs> he's creating a lot. And I'm thinking, what game are you watching, mate? Raheem Sterling's running free. Um, you know, I, I can see KDB a past working, but Foden's contributing nothing here at the moment. Now, I know you all love Foden and he's the Stockport Iniesta and the club build him up to the nth degree, but it doesn't mean he's perfect. And you know what? Kevin De Bruyne, who we think of as possibly the best midfielder in Europe, um, isn't perfect in every game. Not every game suits him. And whilst, ironically, they brought De Lapp on, it might have been one of his crosses that may have unlocked Tottenham's defence. I don't think he was playing that well yesterday. Do we have a mental block that we can't take KDB off and we can't take Foden off? But we can take Bernardo Silva, because he never complains, take him off every time, take Raheem Sterling off every time. But the other two seem untouchable. Is, is that a mistake by the manager as well? So I've just laid out a platter of different subjects for you there, guys. You can go with where Tal's the first one to pull his hand up. Get in there, Tal. You tell me what you think. Disagree with you there. Disagree with me, by the way. No problem. Yeah, Phil Ford was taken off the last two games. So, you know, when you say you can't touch players that can't come off, in all honesty, he made space with in the last two games he's come off, um, even in the Champions League. And then Sterling came off yesterday. So yeah, I, I just think yeah, you you have your opinion on that and, and I'm not just defending that because I am a, a big Ford fan, as you know. Um, but he has come off in the last two games. Were those games, though, were, I mean, the, the Sporting Lisbon game, for example, was a game where City were comfortably winning. So you could argue the reason for taking them off in those games was because the game was won and it was being rested. This was a game yesterday where the game was in the balance. So you were making big tactical decisions at yeah, that yeah. moment. That's a different situation, isn't it? But, but I do, yeah, I do agree with you with the younger players, the, the word I keep using is succession. We need to start believing in them, just like we have done in Phil. Phil's come through the ranks of the club to, to break through into the first team. And I've I've always said that, honestly, Delap's got it genetically. His dad was a great box in the box, you know. So, to me, 
yeah, I, I do believe in the, the succession uh, working for Delap. But it was another day yesterday where I get frustrated. They call me count where I sit because I'm busy counting the corners, right? And I'm even waste. And yesterday I couldn't be bothered because I'm just sick to death of counting corners. Someone like Delap might have got on the end of one of those. Who knows? Who else wants to come in now? Give me your views. Go on, Harlan. Go on, Harlan's put his hand up. We'll come to David next. David, I've got, I've got, I've got a funny feeling here. Just from speaking to you that one time, I love your passion. I love, I love how straight you are with, with what you say. I mean, I think you'll get on some of these points. Um, <clears throat> for me, Pep is an absolute genius. But even geniuses sometimes can outthink themselves. I think that's what he does. He played sixty games last year with no holding midfield, with a holding midfielder, and then dropped the holding midfielder for the Champions League final. It's a baffling decision. He makes them kinds of decisions throughout a season. And in games that we win four and five nil, you just forget about him and let him go. It's these games that you actually go, got it wrong, didn't he? Got it wrong. You don't care if you got it wrong against Norwich when you win five nil because you just think it didn't actually affect the result. When it affects the result, fans, are, they react different to Pep and they react different to Kevin De Bruyne. De Bruyne could give the ball away, let's be honest, 25 times in a game. We could pump Watford 8 nil. At Vicarage Road, and none of them, none of them gifts that De Bruyne gave for Christmas would be would be remembered or or even mentioned. Gundogan could give it away the week after against Norwich, and I keep using the same teams just as an example because they're the bottom sides. Um, he could give it away twice, and we could only win two one, and everyone would go remember them two times that Gundogan give the ball away. And it and it, and it it's it's inconsistent as as a fan base. We're inconsistent with the way that we critique players and critique the team. I think one thing with Pep as well is Belat for me, why is he on the bench if he's not ready? Put a statement out in the press conference, maybe it was during the week. Liam Delap's very good, but he's not ready. He's completed everything he can at Academy level. He's not ready. Don't stick him on the bench then for a Premier League game. Came on last week, won a penalty against Norwich. There you go, Norwich again. But he could have done that yesterday. He could have come on. Eric Dyer for me is, is a suspect defender. He'd have given him an absolute hell for 20 minutes, Delap. Shirt pulling, the shirt pulling, you're on about with Rodri that's missing. He'd have given him that. He'd have given him a rough and tumble. He'd have given him a shoulder to shoulder battle. He'd have caused all sorts of problems. And leaving De Bruyne on would have allowed De Bruyne to bang maybe 10, 15 crosses into the lap. And the law of averages tells me that he would have got his big, powerful head and neck on at least one of them at 2 1. Then you're in the ascendancy. De Lapp's full of confidence. It's no good bringing him on against Norwich when he's 3 0 up for me. You're not teaching the lad anything. Stick him on and let him get an equaliser. Let him win a game. Let him build his own confidence up by going away from the game and tell him, Rory, look, Dad, I got the equaliser or the winner against Spurs. That's what's going to make Delap a top, top quality striker. Not banging in the eighth goal against Watford at Vicarage Road. Not going to do anything for anyone that. It's just a, it's just a stat, it's just a statistic that you add on. Um, one more thing, sorry, David, before, before you come in, pal, is, is that. I think with with the way that we we beat teams now, we almost become, and I get it, we almost become expectant. But I go back to what I said at the start, Ian. I think it's it's a false sense of security type of 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 um, expectancy where we we expect to go out and, and batter every team because of what we do against the the bottom sides in the division, the other thirteen. But I think yesterday was just one of those days where things were highlighted. Steve, you were right; they were outnumbered in midfield. Um, Cancelo wasn't getting inside as much and supporting that midfield. You know, he just seemed out of sorts. I think, you know, Son was a known quantity and we didn't deal with him. 
And Kane really in the game overall didn't really have to do much other than be in the position that he was in and, and, and nod the ball home and put the ball home when it was um, when it was required of him. But I don't know, I just think we 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 get critiqued as fans that 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 go outside the box and say that Pep's question you know, Pep can be questioned and should have played a striker and all the other little bits of negativity because of where we are and what we're doing. But football evolves every season. You can lose a title on one point. That's the one point we're talking about. Then fine margins are de- decided on tactical substitutions, leaving players on, taking players off. And sometimes Pep's mind almost baffles the 50-odd thousand in the ground, I think. Even the away fans sometimes question, why has he done that against us? We're there for the taking. That's just my opinion. David? Yeah, I know what you're saying. I think also, as well as, as a group, of, as a fan base now, I think it's a funny because I've had so much success, it almost feels to me like we're not allowed to sort of criticise Pep or the players. I know a lot of fellow City fans are really getting on the high horse and irate because they're saying, what are you complaining for? For a great 10 years of success. And I, I get that, but football, it's here and now, isn't it, Ian? It's about, you can't look back you know, 20 years ago when we had Jamie Pollock and Lee Bradley and all that, and it was a dark days. We're on about now. And you're only as good as your last game. So I think, you know, this element of you feel like you're not allowed to criticise or because of great success in the last 10 years, well, why, why can't we be critical of, of Pep a little bit? You know what I mean? Look, he's our greatest ever manager. There's no denying it. He's brought with great success. I'm not too sure any other manager would have, would have done what he's done. But it's a true saying, your manager always mirrors what your team is on the pitch. It's all it's an old lay saying in football, and it's so true. Tottenham yesterday mirrored what Conte was about. A dirty, horrible midfield player who got stuck in and, you know, he cheats to win a game. That's exactly what Tottenham were yesterday, in, in essence. I give them more credit than that. I thought they did a number on us. I, I just thought Kane was sensational yesterday in the way before. I know people say, well, City were a bit at fault the way they played and they, they gifted the goals. I hear all that as an argument. I get it. But I'm going to create where credit to you. I thought Kane was brilliant. We didn't know how to deal with him. But Tottenham mirror what their manager was about yesterday and City are very much a mirror image of Pep. And I, I almost feel sometimes we're a bit too nice. We're a bit too nice. I sometimes think we lack a little bit of dirtiness, a little bit of cheating. I, I know when Fernandino was in the team, I think it was a couple of seasons ago, was it last season? We were doing a lot of tactical fouls, Fernandino, if you remember. We were sort of bringing players out to stop the counter-attack. Because the counter-attack is a worry. Since Pat's been in charge, when a team recycles a ball very quickly against us, we're like a rabbit caught in headlines. United did it to us at the Etihad a couple of seasons ago. They did it, you know, as an think under Solskjaer, which is pretty much a counter-attack you've seen under Solskjaer. They seem to sit deep and get... Rashford and Green were out wide, quick on the wings, and we, we struggled to deal with it. And it was the same yesterday. When a team recycles a ball quickly against us, I find we're like a rabbit caught in headlights. It's like, whoa, how do we deal with this? And Finadino, a couple of seasons ago, he was stopping a lot of them with these sort of um, t- tactical sort of fouls he was doing. I, th- I think we lack a bit of that. We lack a bit of a De Jong in there who can do that kind of thing. We lack a bit of nastiness, I think. You know, and your team usually always manage what your manager's about. And, it does remind me very much of, of, of Brian Clough, though, Guardiola. And Brian Clough is very adamant of, well, no, football should be played this way. He had a great idea how to play football and he won't budge off his, off his stool with that Cluffy. Even towards the end when Forrest got relegated, he still wouldn't know, we're still going to play the way I think we should play. You know, and Pep Guardiola is saying, with the City even debate it, he ain't going to change. He is what he is, Pep. He will not change. He will not 
start lumping the ball in the box with five minutes to go. I don't think he'd do that. And yesterday, it felt like put the lap on because we're crossing the ball numerous times yesterday with five, ten minutes to go. And he started lumping it in the box. And it was like, well, there's no one there to really get on the end of it, really. But it's kind of, I don't know, I just I don't think Pep will change the way it is what it is. He's not going to, we can debate it in a way, but I don't think he's going to change the way his style of play is, which is this ultimate sort of total football. I don't think we're nasty enough. And I think we lack a bit of a plan B. And we're coming up against a team like that yesterday. We're kind of, we're knocking it sideways all the time. Times going from left to right, left to right. They're trying to work an opening because the teams are sitting that deep on us. Um, you know, we almost feels like we're like a bit of a plan B. I think you know what I mean in games. But I was probably a little bit harsh on Rodri before, by the way. Um, I actually think his best game for City was at Palace away, and he played centre half that day. I've always believed he's better as a centre half, Rodri, than a midfield yeah, player. I think he's better as a centre-half. He played at Palace away and he had a really good game that day. And I thought he looked really suited as a centre-half. I'm just not too sure he's um, is this industrial midfield player who can get up and down the pitch, can make crunching tackles, can make really good forward passes. I know you're talking about an ultimate midfield player there, but that's what I bought with this guy. I just, I think, I don't know what he is as a player. That's all I was saying. Probably a bit critical. I just... I struggle to find what he actually is as a player, what he actually offers at times. Um, but we'll see. A quick one on Foden. Um, he played a bit out wide on the right yesterday. And in the sense, I always think he's better off the left, me, Foden. When he's on the left-hand side, I think he's a bit more of a threat coming from the left. And I've seen him play. He seems to be better coming off the left. I think yesterday he was a little bit more on the right and in the centre from what I could see. Um, but again, you know, he's only a young lad in he Foden. You know, the media don't help in this country. I think they can build players up way too quick. You've got to be so so careful in building them up too quick. I think he's obviously a talented young player, but sometimes you've just got to try and take stock. Well, he's still a young lad, and he? he's still sort of developing and learning. He's, you know, we'll have to just wait and see. But I just think with that, I think we're probably a bit too nice, guys. I think we could do a bit of a plan B in games, which I don't think we have. And I think we need to be a little bit more nasty in games. We're a bit, a bit of a soft touch at times, I think. I, I, hear what you're, I hear what you're saying about Foden, but and, and you, you've said you know the media built him up. But did you not think the club have perhaps done that a bit too much too with yeah. the sort of profile videos that they do and um, you know calling him the Stockport Iniesta? I mean they're already doing it with Mcatee, who wow. you know scored a great Penenka today in the under twenty three game, um, and they're describing him as the new silver. Uh, you know, and, and you think, hang on a minute, come on, it, the, he's a kid, he's an unproven kid, don't put that pressure on his shoulders. But <clears throat> the purpose of, of me taking this this debate down a certain angle is not because it's all woe is me because City have lost the game to Tottenham. It's because we know we're coming to the sharp end of a season here. And because there's been an ongoing debate about Pep Guardiola as a coach, even when he was at, at Barcelona and certainly when he was at Bayern Munich, about whether when it comes to the, 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 the really big Champions League games, for example, whether um, his style of playing, which I can't deny, I absolutely love, right? This is the football I have dreamed of watching all my life. Mm. The football I fell in love with 
um, was uh, I watched the Brazil World Cup. Now, you're all too young. Maybe Stephen isn't, but I know he Thank looks you. a bit younger than me. But, <laughs> um, but, but 1970, I watched the World Cup with Jarzino and Rivellino. And as we're sitting here on Zoom, I've got a picture of me and Rivellino behind me, one of my absolute heroes, and Pele and all these, you know, Carlos Alberto, some fantastic, fantastic players. And that was the football that made me love the game and you know and and, to, and then Barcelona ironically you know with Rijkaard and Pep and whatnot you know we're another great great team and here we are now watching it every week Manchester City I love the football just love the movement and the creativity it's all on the deck it's all inventive it isn't scored from set pieces but I actually quite like that that it's all created brilliantly but is there a vulnerability to that particular style of football? Now, in the Premier League title race, one slip against Tottenham, Tottenham doesn't end the title race. It's a long, long way from it. And I still personally feel that City will go on and win this title. Um, obviously, the game against Liverpool at the, at the Etihad is going to be huge. The Manchester derby coming up. They've still got a couple of tricky games to go. I don't believe Liverpool will win every game. Um, I don't believe City will win every game, but I do still think City will win the title. But when you look at the cup competitions, which in the FA Cup are one-off games, one 90-minute game, Peterborough away, I'm sure City will, will probably come through that one without too much difficulty. But at some point, they will play Liverpool or Chelsea or, you know, a big game, a one-off game. And in the Champions League, whilst the two legs, and we can pretty much see that against Sporting Lisbon, that tie's done, they will play a Liverpool, a Chelsea, a Bayern Munich, or maybe another Leon. I know Leon and it. I don't mean that literally, but another clever team that that maybe suss City out and and out, you know, and play in a certain way. And my particular concern is that thinking of another great Brazil team from 1982, the team that had Adair, Socrates, Falcao. Fantastic team. I love watching that team. And I thought they were by far, the, and I know this goes beyond the, the, the history and, and the imagination. A lot of people may be listening to this who think, oh, what is he talking about? Look it up. Go, on, go and have a look at it on, on YouTube or whatever. They were a great team. And to me, they were the red-hot favourites to win that particular World Cup. And they played Italy. And um, Paolo Rossi scored a hat-trick in the game against them. And all three Italian goals came on the counter-attack. So you had a 90 minutes where Brazil completely de uh, dominated possession, were all over Italy and scored two goals. And, and every time you watched them go forward, you thought they've got, you know, they got another goal in them. And Italy just defended five at the back, six at the back, whatever they did. Can you get the pattern now? Can you see what I'm saying? You know, did they lose three two in that game? Did they? They lost three two, and all three got three chances to Italy. Three on the counter attack, knocked them out. And as this is the key bit, three times last season to Chelsea, to Leon in the in the Champions League, you know, to United in that game when when City could have won the league and by beating United that day, City is showing and against Spurs repeatedly that against a really good counter attacking team. Pep's yeah. side, whether it be through Rodri, whether it be because of Edison not being a great shot stopper, whether it be because the two fullbacks play too far forward, or whatever the reason is, City have showed statistically over and over again that they are vulnerable to a good, 
defensive team who are very, very slick on the counter-attack. Stephen, yeah. is that is that yeah. you, you have a little bit of knowledge of no. what happened here as I'm talking uh, about? What I would say is, you know, when you brought, I know you brought up the Leon game a couple of times today. I think that season, 1920, when Liverpool won the league, and we we were very, very open to the counter attack in 1920, in that season, 1920. And Leon, he he never, he didn't have the defence he wanted in that in that season. He, he once Laporte got the injury. And Fernandinho was there with and John Stones, who wasn't at his best at that season, by the way, as well. So that it, we were open to it. And Leon wasn't a surprise. But if you go back to the Leon game, Sterling missed an open goal. We'd have been two all. Now we go back to his tactics now. I last season when Diaz and Laporte and then Stones got to we, we weren't counter-attack that much last season. I know United did. A little one at our place last year. Chelsea did it three times. Yeah, yeah. Chelsea at Wembley. Was the mistakes involved in that? The only one that, let me say as well, is that Pep is open to criticism. Uh, And I don't think, he's not 100%. You know, he is a genius, I'll be honest with you. You know, he's not not 100%. There is the one little bit, like I said to you yesterday, I thought the substitution was wrong. We were all in Porto for the weekend. The only time I thought we were going to lose that game was quarter to seven when they announced the team. They announced the team, and if you if if you spoke if you could get Raheem Sterling on this now, and you said to him that previous to that Champions League game, if you'd have been named a substitute, would you have been disappointed? Yes, but would I have expected it? Yes, if he's honest, because his form wasn't great last year, you know. So that that. One is that was a mistake, and he does make mistakes. What I will say is that his game plan is out there. We all know what the game plan is, and we move the ball, like we were saying before. I think David said it we move it from side to side to side, and we do that in a way because they're all sat behind us. You know, like Tottenham coming with 10 men behind the ball isn't unusual yesterday, and you know, they all do it. Southampton, oh no, they got a draw, but everybody starts off with a 10 at the back against us more or less you know so we have to move them from side to side to side because we wear them out they get that tired in thinking where's my man where's my man that we do it on that one occasion when their concentration slips we're in we make the most of the space you know and it's and that's that is the tactic it, it physically and mentally wears the opposition down yeah, well, Steve Steve sorry mate on, on that though with that in mind which I completely agree with, that's relying on every player, especially key players like Rodri, like Cancelos, not giving the ball away as easily and as cheaply as they are. That's well, Pep will set the team up to play that way, but the players know they are very hypersensitive and know exactly that in a certain position, you 97, 98% cannot turn the ball over there because you will get hurt or you will potentially get hurt. And I think yesterday you saw... There was one pass that I felt sorry for Laporte because I think it was Cancelo had made a little run. I don't even remember. It was in the second half towards the south stand and Cancelo had made a run and Laporte tried firing him in and he got it completely wrong. And it was just one of them where they were on the same page. Now, these fine margins you're on about, if that comes off, it's a ball across the box and it's potentially a tapping. If it doesn't come off, it's a wasted possession. It went out of play. But there's times where in games of this season we've done that and then we've been smacked and somehow we've managed to find ourselves out of it. 
against the Norwich or a Watford or a Crystal Palace, you might find you, your way out of that. They, against Chelsea in the Champions yeah. League, you won't. But they've not got the quality. Like the teams you mentioned have not got the quality to hit us. Tottenham did yesterday. Chelsea can, Liverpool can, and United to a degree can. But what I'm saying to you is, is let's turn this round, right, and say, yes, OK. You know, our passing yesterday was poor. You know, let's let's not knock about it. We give the ball away two more times yesterday than we probably have done all season. So if we turn that round and then say, well, that was a one-off, because like you said with Laporte, trying to slip that ball in, if that comes off, it's fantastic, isn't it? You know, there's a cross, there's a tap in, we've scored. Yesterday, was that much of an off day that our passing was poor? But Pep's game plan then doesn't include four defenders. And I'll, 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 I'll say three and a half, three and a quarter, because I thought Kyle Walker, yes, that one was in his position, but we were attacking. We were attacking when they scored that first goal. So he does join in there. But then the one pass from Harry Kane sends Son away. Cancelo's not level as a back four should be level for an offside. And Diaz has got his hand up for offside, but Cancelo's dropped. So that game plan doesn't work if three of your back four are having a complete off day, yep. which they never, never have. And yesterday, they had a, you know, we were saying today, I was talking to David before, just before we came on, and I said, what hurts more these days is, is it as bad getting beat when we're fighting relegation like we used to do and you could walk home and sulk, and yet we're fighting for the title and we go for other cups as well, and I'm still walking home and sulking when we get beat, you know, like and what have you. And it's just that the top and the bottom, they're exactly the same. But yesterday, because we don't lose that often, it, it still hurts getting beat. But, and I think his tactics are 99.5 there. But when yesterday, just a complete collective nightmare in a defence, you know, it just didn't come off yesterday. It didn't come off. And it, as I will blame, I'll blame him for the substitution because I, I still think it's wrong. But I'm not, I can't blame the manager for the defence not performing yesterday. And they didn't, you know, they're, they're the, top, top class players, they're all their hands up and say, well, I didn't play. Well, here's the question that we'll conclude the, the podcast with, which is, as a result of that defeat against Spurs, because before that, everything was going swimmingly, has it dented your confidence in either the Premier League title race, the FA Cup, or perhaps most significantly, the Champions League? Because we just came into that game with a fantastic win at Sporting Lisbon, but albeit against a team who are not that highly rated and play in a very open way, which suits City. Having watched that game against Spurs, are you, do you just think, as a couple of people have, I think Tal used the expression, or bad day at the office, was that all it was? Was it just a bad day at the office? Or have I had this debate that we've, we've had, and Tal can be the first one to come in on this one, you know, having just had this debate, are you the same amount of optimism as you were about all them three trophies or a bit less? Or where are you now as a result of it, Tom? Listen, I watched some of the lads go off yesterday because obviously I've got a you know, seat that sees the facial expressions. And when they must have gotten that, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in that dressing room. I don't think that's going to happen again this season. They're going to go back in there and under Pep's management style, their individual personal lifestyles, they're just going to come out and think that ain't happening again. I am not going to work and performing like that again. 
and they're going to rally each other on and they're going to train, they're going to work and find out. Like a few of the guys have said today, a lot of the teams are doing the homework on us. So we need to sort of change our ways of thinking. Um, the referees also, if you look at yesterday, we were time wasting. There's so much time wasting going on. So City are going to go back, look at every aspect of the drawing board and come out fighting. That's the City way nowadays. Not the old days, like you was mentioned, some players leave, leave Bradbury and all these days are gone. They're coming out and they're on, they're on for the treble and they'll go for that treble. And I think you mentioned it earlier on. We're not going to get an easy ride. We might get PSG again. We might get Liverpool in the Champions League and the league. You just don't know. But we have to have our house in order to go forward. And I'm confident that they will do that, the boys. So, Sal's confidence remains intact. How about yours, David? Uh, ask me after Everton. <laughs> ah, the winner. City will win at Everton. Everton are, are, are not David, playing that well, David, are they? Ask me after That's Aston Villa I mean. at all. Yeah, I think I think uh, I don't. I think yeah. I think look, it's I think it's a one shootout game. This Liverpool game at home, of course. You know, if we win that game, I mean, but we're bearing in mind we're still Liverpool. They might have beat Leeds. You got to just put that in your head that they're they're beating them. They might not, but they might have. They have. But we're still three points ahead of them. You know, so if we beat Liverpool at home, we go back to six points clear again. I think, you know, the Liverpool game at home will probably end up being a bloody draw, but, you know, if we win that, it should give us the impetus to go on and win the league, I feel, if we beat them at home. Because, it, it, you know, they are relentless Liverpool guys. They are a relentless team. Yeah. They are a team, man. They, they're not going to... You know, it, it might it might turn out where we, we swap places over the next few weeks. Their top words taken for a bit, and then we... Because I, I, I'm with Ian. I don't, I'm not too sure they'll win every game Liverpool from now to the end of the season, because you've got the Champions League, which can interfere if they get injuries or suspensions. or There's a lot of different scenarios that can happen from now between sort of the end of the season. So there's a lot of different scenarios. I think if we beat Liverpool at home, I think we go on and win it. What about my... the Cups, David? What about the Cups? Um, I'm not too sure we'll get to the final of the Champions League. I think we may go out. I think, I don't know with that. I just think you need you need a lot to go right with that. I think last year was our moment to win it. We got there, we did well getting to the final. You know, I think no fans being in the stadium. I think that helped us a bit last year with the way we play at times. I just think it was our moment to win it. Look, they are hard to get to, you know, Champions League fan. I'm not too sure we'll have the minerals. So I think we might just fall short, maybe in the semi-finals. You need you need you know, you need refereeing decisions to go your way. You got VAR to contend with. There's so much, you know, we could be we could be 1-0 up in a game and then have a second goal rolled out for VAR. It's all scenarios and all, but you need a lot to go your way in the Champions League. I'm not too sure. The league, we beat Liverpool, I think we go on and win it. Champions League, I'm not too sure. FA Cup, again, you know, cup competitions, they're hard to, to call, aren't they? It's, they're not a competition for a reason. You know, you know an, underdog, an underdog who does a number on your day on the day like Tottenham did to us on Saturday. We beat Liverpool, we win the league. Champions League, we may just fall short. Hope I'm wrong. Harlan? Yeah, Champions League is one of those now, isn't it, that for me splits off. Group stage for me, for, for us, and this isn't me being arrogant, don't for one minute think that I think this way. It's not my way of thinking. It's a reality. And Pep and City and the way we play and how we performed in recent years, 
has set that reality. It, it, it just has. The Champions League splits off. The group stage is a foregone conclusion. You get through to the last 16. We we, we, we all more, more than likely maul the side in the, in the last 16. And then the Champions League begins. It's almost like two separate competitions. It's almost like the first half of the Champions League is the Europa League. And the last three rounds of the Champions League are the Champions League. That, that's how it feels to me now as a blue. And it's not an arrogance. It's just the reality. So I think once we get to that, that latter stage, it's about what Steve said. It's about playing our way and relying on individual players to make an almost perfect display and avoid giving the ball away in individual moments because you will get hurt. You, you're going to get hurt more by sides like Liverpool and sides like Paris Saint-Germain if you do that. Liverpool don't worry me in the league because I believe that going back to the... Put it this way, the 18-19 the Liverpool game at home, the 2-1 win for me is by far my best experience as a fan in the Etihad Stadium. The atmosphere was the best I've ever felt it. I know that you were at the, was it the Porto game, Ian, at home? I think it might have been. And the Hamburg game, I think, which I wasn't at. But it was likened to them kinds of atmospheres. It's going to be like that again this year. And you know what? You probably get more of a performance against City if the title race is closer than you would if we were 12, 13 points ahead. Because it would feel more like a Champions League final in its own right or a Premier League final. And I think that when we are under that much pressure, we perform out of our skins. And it has that bit more of a juicy feel to it where there's a lot more to gain than just three points. And I think that that's what response we'll get from our players, especially with it being as tight as it is getting now. But I think we'll still win the league. I think we'll win that. United, for me, should get absolutely pulled apart. We did it with Gundogan, the 44-pass move. I'm looking for a 55-60-pass move this year. Do you know what I mean? They are that poor in terms of the press and that poor in terms of their defensive you know, desire. We should rip United apart at the Etihad. So the title race is, for me, still done in my head and done in my heart because I can't allow myself to go back on what I said after the Watford game and in previous weeks. But the Cups are a lottery. The Champions League is, like I said, two competitions. The FA Cup is a cup that I absolutely adore. I remember touching it as a nine-year-old, ten-year-old lad when I got to see it for the first time. It's a magical cup. It is definitely, for me, one of the ones I want to win every season. It's just one of those, you've got to be there in that as well. Last year, we weren't there in the semi-final. We got pumped by Chelsea. Um, it's all about making sure you're there when, it, when, when it's required. But I think it's also there for Pep to actually look and go... Maybe learn from my mistakes. Don't do it in the final, but look at the quarterfinal, semi-final now and go, maybe don't do what I would have done last year and do something different. I think it's a learning curve for everyone, but we're looking for, we're just looking for that consistency again. One thing I will say before I go is that I think Steve's tongue-in-cheek comment about the Everton game, for me, is one of them that I kind of agree with. I'm going to the game, of course, and... Um, they're a bit inconsistent at the moment. They've won one draw, uh, won one, lost one, won one or lost one, won one, lost one. So they're an unknown quantity, Everton. And typical City don't exist for me anymore, but you look at it and go, it would be typical City now to go to Everton after they've just lost to a side that they shouldn't have lost to, in my opinion, and, and come away with a point. But I don't think it'll happen. It's hypothetical, isn't it? Final word on this podcast goes to Steve. Thank, thanks for, um, for being part of it, all of you. Um, Steve, quite a lot of optimism, certainly from Tal and Harlan, um, despite the de defeat against uh, Tottenham. Um, how would you sum it up now? How do you feel about the three competitions going ahead? Do you feel more or less optimistic? 
No, I feel I feel the same. I'm, I'm optimistic about all three. Uh, the league, the league is more of being consistent over a season. I agree with everybody. The cup games are a lottery, really. You know, you just have that. I mean, yesterday, if yesterday was a cup game, we'd have got knocked out of the cup. But with the league is consistency. I know David said about Liverpool being relentless, but I think we are now. And, and I just think it's human nature and city nature to want to be 12 points clear. You know, we all want to be 12 points clear and thinking, yeah, this is ours. And I've got a, a mate who's a Newcastle fan and he messaged me the other week and said, right, that's all, that's yours wrapped up like that. And I said, if we were four points clear with one game to go, I'd still worry. And I think that is a city nature of us. We all think it, we all want to be 12 points clear, but we're not. And so, you know, last, after, you know, a week ago, they were all saying, oh, you're 12 points clear. No, we weren't. We were six points clear. Because David said it, always, always think that Liverpool will win their games in hand. And they've had a really good run of fixtures against teams that, for me, they should be beating. You know, ours was the, the, the trickiest game of the weekend. I look at, if, like, if Liverpool are rivals and Chelsea have just dropped a little bit off, but I look at who's got the hardest game of the weekend. Yesterday, we had the hardest game and we lost. But I'm still optimistic for the title It's without being overconfident. I think, you know, there's no arrogance or an overconfidence, but we are a relentless team and we, we'll chase it down and they'll, they'll chase us down. You know, 2019, it just went all the way, did it? And then maybe if we can, yeah, I agree with David. Liverpool at home is a big game. We might not beat them, but don't lose. You know, just don't get beat in that game. And then let's, you know, the cup games, let's go. Let's go and have a look. You know, it'd be nice to win the FA Cup again, you know, because it's there and it's what I've said to you last week, you know, the Champions League is like low down on my priorities for some reason, but we do need to win it to shut everybody up. If we just win one Champions League, the whole media, the opposition fans, They've, they've got nothing to sing about us now. There's no 35-year banner at Old Trafford anymore, you know, and there's all that to go. And just let's... let's but I, the football in terms is take it game by game, and I think that's what we should do. Just go game by game. Wednesday night, Liverpool will beat Leeds, I think. So it's down to three points, and then we've just got to turn up at Everton and play. Well, listen, so, thanks very much to, to everybody, to Steve, to Harlan, to David, and to Tal. Um, great contributions, great debate, passion, passionate debate, um, and some people will agree with bits that have been said, and some people listening will be chucking stuff at their smartphone uh, because they'll disagree. That's the nature of being a fan, and, and obviously when you lose a game, that's when minds are focused that little bit more, um, and, and people perhaps think about the things that they not wanted to say before, and now they've, they've had the chance to say big thanks to charleslewy.co.uk for their support on the podcast, uh, Chartered Mortgage Advisors, uh, and so much more as well, buying and selling of uh, private and commercial property. Give them a call, have a look at the website, and support them like they're supporting me. Uh, I'll be back to do the podcast again next week. Uh, in the meantime, uh, City have only one game between now and then. There's no midweek fixture this week. Uh, the next one is that trip to Everton at Goodison Park on Saturday evening. So enjoy your sporting week. By the way, I didn't mention this, but City's EDS did win 2-0 against West Ham. So another victory uh, for City. Uh, so it's not all doom and gloom. And, and you know what? Even in defeat, if there's only one thing that you remember. Remember this. It's great being a blue. <laughs>